This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You've discovered your link to GoPowerCat.com's PowerCat podcast. Now, here's your host, GoPowerCat.com publisher, Tim Fitzgerald. Welcome to the second edition this week of the PowerCat Questions podcast. You have questions, we have answers. That's how it goes at GoPowerCat.com as we offer you a second questions podcast. On Wednesday, we did basketball for good reason. And today we're circling back and doing football and other stuff if we have time. Tim Fitzgerald, Ryan Gilbert, and Zach Carlson, your trio, as you well know, covering all things K-State, and we thank The Fridge for their ongoing support, and make sure you stop in The Fridge, and our segment sponsors, Tanner's and the High-Low. I feel like we're having deja vu, guys. We just did this. The new soundboard sounds great. Mixing board, I should say. It's uh, it's nice. It's, it's tiny compared to the old one. We had an old one that was like 10 years old, and finally, I think it was a power source. It wasn't cooperating. It sounds so much better. I feel better, Zach, after venting on both the podcast and the daily delivery about K-State basketball. I don't feel any better. Okay. Well, try again then. Because that's going to be a lot of those rants all season, bud. Ah, they're going to win Friday night. Until proven otherwise, I am not going to make that call. This will be the turning point of Kansas State basketball. <clears throat> it's kind of like uh, that point in, the, in Major League when all the misfit pieces decide to be good and start winning. That's it. This was it. <clears throat> yep. I don't think Barry Brown was able to call a players only practice this time. Mm, yeah, that would help. Kind of need that. That would help. Anyway, let's just plunge into this. Gills, you do your thing, which is reading the questions from Wabash Station. First question of the PowerCat Questions podcast comes from PowerCat Ryan. How would you handle the seniors with the ability to return? It's a real balancing act on needing the player to help win now versus going with the younger player that has more to give long term. How, or pardon me, would you only ask the guys that you know you need to start to return? Well, if you're talking about seniors, they're free next year. You, I mean, if you have, <clears throat> excuse me, if you have 85 scholarships and 10 seniors want to be back next year, you can have 95. But that's only a one-year exception. Are we breaking up? No. Test, test, breaking up. I hear you. I hear you. I'm clear. No, I'm I'm getting something through my headphones, which means it's coming off the soundboard. I think. Uh oh. Is it something from the vents? No. No. I'm getting a pop. I wonder if that's one of you guys. Is anyone hearing a hello, pop? Hello, hello. I don't hear anything. I, 
Oh, Gil, yeah, I heard you. Gills, you were kind of breaking up there. Now you're breaking up a little bit. Test, you're test. breaking up. No, it's you. <laughs> yeah, we're, I don't know. Okay. Um, what was I saying? Oh, so next year there's no impact of the seniors coming back. The, the question, the part of the equation that athletics has to work out is they have to pay the bill. Um, that's step one. Can you afford full ride scholarships and all that entails for 10 extra players that's outside of the budget? So that's a decision they have to make who they want back. I mean, if you're just some senior that doesn't contribute much, brother, you ain't coming back. They they ain't going to make room for you. You can go head off and do your thing in life. If uh, if you're a guy like Skylar Thompson or Noah Johnson or you know anyone else that John McPherson that seems to be fitting the profile of the guys that want to come back, um, yeah, they'll find room for you. They'll find a way to accommodate the cost, and maybe they'll be underneath the eighty five anyhow, and and have room for some extra guys. That's that's one part of the equation. The other part of the equation is if they go over the 85 uh, and they add some scholarships, you get into Title IX concerns because now you have to have matching athletic opportunities for females. I think they should just probably bring in a female kicker and say, hey, we're a unisex sport. I'm kind of curious how the NCAA will, or federal government will handle football if there's female players i thought it was just opportunities it's yeah. not scholarship it's just opportunities because if you take rowing for example they have all the female athletes but they're not all on full well, ride scholarships i know that so. i'm aware of the opportunities but if, if football affords opportunities for females i guess you just need 10 or whatever i guess but it wouldn't necessarily have to be equal money so to speak yeah no it's not um, so the problem is going to be after next year. That's when the problem is going to arise. When you continue to sign classes and, you know, as an example, all of this year's juniors could be juniors again. If they decide that they don't want to exhaust their eligibility, then in a year when we're talking recruiting, you have no seniors. You have no one departing the program. Now, that's a problem. I mean, the NCAA has to look at the possible impact for recruits in the 2022 class. I I think there's going to be significantly fewer scholarships afforded the 22 football recruiting class than ever before because people will be full. If juniors don't become seniors, they don't become graduates and leave the program at the same rate. Now, many of them still will. Don't get me wrong. There might be junior ineligibility, but they're a fifth-year senior in reality. They might just say, adios, I'm out. Uh, but uh, I don't know. I, it's going to really cause problems in the future, but not next year. They can kind of maintain the 85 that they're supposed to be at for next year, plus any seniors that want to come in. But most programs are below 85 anyhow. They like to keep some room. So, you know, it's kind of interesting. Let's say five seniors come back. But they only have 80 other guys, so they're at 85. 
Uh, but then, uh, right, you know, in the summer, like five guys are in the portal that really could help K-State. They could technically take those guys and bump the seniors to extra scholarships if they want to pay the bill on that. So uh, it's it's just going to be a fascinating offseason in the fact that between scholarship counts and portal entries and exits, it, there's going to be so much going on. It's almost going to feel like Major League Baseball with all the player personnel moves that are going to take place in this offseason. It's going to be really kind of fun, rather chaotic, and probably really stressful for all the guys that went into the portal and realized they have no place to go because there's going to be a majority of those guys in the portal will not have an FBS program that wants them. It's the reality. There's too many guys in the portal and limited opportunities because of this question you just asked. I think for K-State, I think it's pretty clear the guys that are seniors that you know they would want back because they're significant contributors – and what's underneath them isn't necessarily going to be better, you know, allowing them to develop, you know, just learn, you know, as they go, so to speak. So I think, you know, like you mentioned, you know, Jerome McPherson, Skylar Thompson, Noah Johnson, Briley Moore, Elijah Sullivan, Justin Hughes. Those are probably your guys. Drew Wiley, if he wants to come back, you know, he might, you know, want to do whatever. But, you know, th- those are pretty much your guys that you'd probably want to come back. And, you know, I get the concern with, with, uh, you know, years to come 2022 scholarship opportunities going forward because of this, but like we've seen with the transfer portal, I think that you're just going to have to, as kids transfer out, you're just not going to be able to take one back. I think, I think it's just, you're going to, you know, once somebody decides to leave, I think that's going to be how the math problem gets settled. You know, when Lance Robinson leaves, K-State's not going to try covering that scholarship. You know, it's just going to, you know, as time goes on and as kids leave, and as we've seen this year, kids are more willing to leave. You know, I think, and plus with the free transfer rule coming up, you know, I think that this problem is going to be solved a little bit easier than what we might be giving it credit for. Because, you know, once a kid leaves, you know, you don't have to, you know, he's not on scholarship anymore at your school and you, you don't have to worry about him. And it just comes down to, do you need to replace him with another scholarship? And, you know, I think the answer is going to be no for the considerable future. Next question from I like pickles cat over under on the number of players that return for their senior season. Uh, five. I don't know. I, it's hard to, it's hard to assess where these guys are at. I'm I'm confident in the three I mentioned. I just feel like they'll be back. But there might be some other guys out there hearing mixed things on Drew Wiley. Um, might be, you know, there's so many calculations if you're one of these kids. You might have a job. You might have a really good job already lined up, uh, which means you're not a journalism major. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, if you're an engineer or <clears> – <throat> You know, in milling science, by the way, put your children into grain and milling science degrees and they will make a lot of money and have no problems getting jobs. Uh, You probably have something lined up that's good and you want to get your career started because you're not going to be an NFL guy. You know that. Why extend college and possibly injure yourself? A lot of calculations go in on a personal level for each one of these people. 
you know, and the other calculation is, did they want him back? You know, so I, I'll set it at five, but it could be just three guys. There could be more. I mean, I don't see Trotter coming back. I think Bradley Moore is going to try the NFL. I wish he'd come back. Um, other than that, you know, who knows? Um, I, I think the the elderly linebackers, already being six year seniors, are both gone. We'll see how it plays out. It's going to be very, very uh, fun to watch, and it'll give us nice content, right? I mean, yeah. we'll get a little bonus content here to share with the masses of the guys that declare they want to come back. I'll go higher than five. Really? Yeah. I just I get the feeling that that they'll be maybe you know. Yes, there'll be some guys that kind of age out and just say, yeah, you know, I, I've had enough, you know, had a career, let's call it here. No need in trying to extend it another year, but I just feel like there's enough guys on this team that the staff would like to come back and would help out next season, just kind of to transition from this, you know, goofy, crazy season and what it's been just to kind of have some stability for you know, the program going forward, I think there's enough pieces on this team that can kind of forge a bridge, you know, going into the future for what this, what this coaching staff wants to do. Um, and I don't want to take anything away from the young guys that are, you know, working and they might not go notice now, but you know, there's, I still think that there's more than five guys on this team that, you know, I'd certainly want back and, and I think there's probably a few guys, you know, that are seniors that, you know, also might not be, you know, getting the playing time that they might want, uh, but they're still, you know, good contributors, you know, wherever it is in the program, it might not, you know, mean anything on, you know, direct gameplay on Saturdays, but maybe it's some leadership, maybe it's some, you know, practice stuff, you know, I just, I get the feeling that there'll be more than just five guys. So I'd probably put it at maybe seven or eight would be my over under call it seven and a half. I feel that I feel that that's, that's my ballpark number there. Well, I'm changing mine to five and a quarter. Yeah. Well, good thing. A half can't come. So yeah, <laughs> I'll go six right in the middle. You two. Okay. God. So it's not a good mathematic. I'm not good with math, obviously, but if it's right on six, then I win. Got priced or right. No, you push. Right. You push. The house pays your money back. Nobody makes any money. Hmm. Come on, Gills. That, that should be easy to understand. You're in journalism. <laughs> Life is a push in journalism. Next. Another one from I Like Pickles. Get over under on the number of players that entered the transfer portal. What are we like, at now? 12? In the future? 11? Can we go? Can we, if we, if we call today zero, how many more? I feel like that's an easier number than trying to figure out how many have actually entered the portal and then tacking it on to that. So far, it's what fourteen. Uh, I don't know. I, I, let's just say from today oh, until yeah. you know the end of the season, or you know into the off season. You know, once spring comes around. Yeah, when do we put the end on that? Yeah. I mean, guys might go once the season's over, whether they get a bowl game or not. More guys might throw in. Um, Get to spring football if they haven't. 
maybe even more guys say, you know what? I don't see my spot on this team. I'm out. I'd say they've got a good three more in them between now and the spring signing period, the February signing period. That'd be my guess, at least three. But we just proved that's a good day. The other calculation is guys that are really non-factors going into the portal. You know, like a quarterback you've never heard one thing about. Bart. That goes into the portal. You know, that's another calculation here. But, I mean, I'm not as worried about the portal as everyone else because um, it's just going to kind of even out. A lot of programs are going to have late guys, a late rush into it after their seasons. Um, and what, what goes in the portal for everyone can come out on the other side. So maybe K-State puts 15 guys in the portal. They're not going to get 15 out, but maybe they get three, four, five guys out of the portal that are more helpful to the program than those 15, and they get the 10, 11, 12 scholarships back. I'm, yeah. I'm not overly concerned about it, but I would say at least three between now and that February signing period. I'd put an over-under at three and a half. I think that there'll be at least three guys probably and maybe four, but like you said, how many of them are going to be actual factors? I mean, look back how many guys have entered the portal. How many of them have been actual factors? You know, maybe five, five guys that you're like, man, that's, you know, he actually played, you know, that kind of sucks that he's in the portal. The other 10, you know, you have these true freshmen that are transferring two months into their first semester of college. I mean, and I don't blame them either. I mean, during a pandemic or whatever, it's not a normal college experience. And if they want to, you know, if they need to be close to home and, you know, you know, do what, do what makes you happy and do what you need to do, you know, in your life. And that, that goes for any transfer, but you know, a lot of these guys, they weren't really factors. And like I've said in the past, the only reason you're freaking out about the transfer portal is because it exists. You wouldn't notice if Bart Harris, that's his name, right? Bart Harris. I don't even know his name. It doesn't matter. Quarterback five or six Bart enters the transfer portal. You wouldn't know. You wouldn't care. He'd just be gone from the roster. There wouldn't be a story on him. There wouldn't be a post on Wabash. You know, you wouldn't care. And, but he counts for the number that's entered the transfer portal and, and you guys are freaking out about it. And and at the end of the season, most, most teams are going to have similar, similar situations with, with how many different guys are in the portal after this season. And some of it's the school, some of it's personal, some of it's just the pandemic, you know, it's, yeah, it seems bad, but at the same time, transfer portals new, it's fresh. You know, everybody pretty much gets a story on them when they enter. You freak out. You you know more. You are more informed about transfers than you would have been two years ago. That's you got to understand. You're more informed. You know more. That's it's not that big of a deal at this point because, you know, like I said, you're not going to freak out if, you know, the fourth or fifth string quarterback transfers. You know, it's just not a big deal when you have Skylar Thompson, Will Howard, Jake Rubley coming in. You know, it's just he's a non-factor. So, yeah, it looks like there's been a bunch of guys into the transfer portal. But how many of them have actually contributed and how many of them were actually going to contribute at some point? And the answer is 
not that many. Next question from Herdez Joe. Does this seem like it is the wild combination of events in the world at large on top of the free eligibility year playing into these choices? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's an, yeah, that's another thing I didn't mention was the free transfer. I mean, these guys can be immediately eligible if everything gets passed. I know it's been proposed. I don't think it's been completely official yet, but it's going to happen. Um, you know, they're going to be able to play. So, you know, that's another thing. You know, if if you're maybe in the past if you were unhappy but you knew you had to sit out a year and it was going to be 2 years before you're actually playing football again, yeah, it kind of changes your your decision making there a little bit maybe some guys are like yeah this is a serious decision i need to transfer you know losing a year you know having to sit out a year and using that redshirt year to go somewhere else is is worth it for me and and now you take that out of the the equation and now you get immediate eligibility you know it's a lot easier to transfer because you don't have to sit out so yeah i think that that you know, plus the events like you mentioned. Yeah, I think that it's kind of a crazy, you know, storm of events that's happened to create this perfect storm where you have a bunch of guys leaving. At the same time, like I've said, you know, you know more about it too. So that's why it seems like it's a big deal. Next question from King Jim 77. Predictions for positions we'll be looking to bring in from the portal. Wide receiver, wide receiver, wide receiver. Uh, yeah, maybe D tackle, linebacker. Um, I don't know. Um, running back, maybe, maybe tight end. Tight end, if Riley goes, goes for sure. Um, but yeah, I, I would say if there's multiple receivers out there that <clears throat> have experience and can come in and impact you, uh, particularly if they're a guy that'll get back his scholarship quickly. You know what? There was a question on Wabash Station, and I forgot to get back to it. I'm gonna, I'll go after the podcast, but I'll mention it here. Someone asked if, let's just say, Harry Trotter. I, look, I'm not saying anything here. I'm just using an example. Harry Trotter's transferring. That's not what I'm saying. Let's say Harry Trotter, who is an expiring senior, could come back to K-State next season if he chose to, and K-State could have an added scholarship to accommodate him. <clears throat> That does not apply if he goes to a new institution. You can only get the added scholarship. So if he went to another school, uh, let's say Alabama, uh, they could not count Harry Trotter as a senior bonus scholarship. So that'll limit some of these guys going in. I mean, that'll – or coming out. I mean, there might be some senior guys that are available because you have to count them in your 85. So there's a possibility there that they might go find some guys that can kind of give them a gap year and bridge them into whatever's coming next because I think they really like their true freshman receivers. But if there's a Deuce Vaughn at receiver, great. But other than that, I mean, come on. It's going to be difficult for them to really be a big-time contributor. Last question of the first half from Wildcat Pilot 88 Is there anything that would justify Wyatt Hubert returning for his senior year? Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm probably thinking he's, you know, mid to late at best. I mean, uh, in terms of the seven rounds of the NFL draft, I don't think he's in top three. I think he's probably four at best right now. It's it's very difficult to project what the NFL thinks about someone. 
Um, they might love him. I think he needs a senior year. I think he needs to string together games like he had at Baylor. One game isn't going to get you drafted typically. So if he can string together three or four of those in 21, now you're talking about a really dominant guy um, that might get up into that second, third range. So there's a lot of money at stake. So money and, uh, you know, being more valuable to your team than a late-round pick that can is easier to – more comfortable to cut. I think he should come back. I might be an outlier in that. I think he has an upside that still hasn't been fully reached in terms of college football. I think he's got a lot of good football in front of him. I think he's an NFL guy. But I think coming back might prove really important for him. I agree with you, Fitz. I think that right now if he was to go – in the NFL draft, I could see him being like a late six-round pick. You know, everyone's probably thinking, oh, four or five, and then you're just sitting there kind of sweating it out, and he finally gets picked. And then, like you said, he becomes easier to cut because he's less money if he if he doesn't cut it. And maybe he does make it. But, you know, I kind of see him – if he leaves now, I kind of see him kind of being like an Elijah Lee, you know, just kind of a journeyman who's going to bounce around the league – might play a little bit, but, you know, might probably won't, you know, and he might just kind of fizzle out. I think he needs the senior season to, to showcase what he can do and, and string together games. Like you said, that's one game won't cut it. And I think, you know, barring just complete, a complete shutdown of his skill and ability, I don't see him regressing. You know, he's going to keep getting better. Why not get better against teams that, you know, he's he's a, he's one of the best players in the Big 12, hands down. So why not continue your upward trajectory against competition that you are beating and you'll be able to beat more in the future? So I, I think that, you know, I don't think there's any downsides because if he has a similar year to this year, you know, he's in the same position, probably a late rounder. You know, I just, I don't see really anything that he could do that would hurt his draft stock on the field is what I'm saying. And and if he comes back, you know, he just kind of prolongs, you know, his year. And I I don't, I guess I don't know what this, this draft class is looking like for defensive ends. I don't know what next draft class is going to look like for defensive ends, but if I'm Wyatt Hubert, I'm probably making the decision to stay uh, to get better one more year. I'm with you guys. I don't think he's really made many steps forward this year. He hasn't been disappointing, but I, I kind of expected a little bit more out of him. So I, I'm with you guys. He still has a little bit more to prove. And to answer the question, you know, it, it really depends on the feedback he gets from the scouts and, and all that. So if they say, yeah, you've got a real shot, you know, to be uh, in the middle rounds, go for it. But I think you pro- probably want to you know, play it safe and uh, come back for another year and improve your stock. Agreed. That's it for the first half of the PowerCat Questions podcast, your second one of the week. A little bonus edition. We'll be back on the other side of this break with more of your questions from Wabash Station. The PowerCat Podcast will be right back. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. 
With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We now send it back to the PowerCat Podcast. Welcome back to the PowerCat Questions Podcast from the new home studio here in Manhattan, Kansas. I'm digging it, guys. I got one piece of furniture to put together. A little electrical work to get done. Um, the, apparently, the world's dumbest electrician had worked in here before. Um, I think it was probably during our renovation after our flood in about 04, 05, whenever that was. Because uh, there's an outlet on the wall for the TV. Cool, right? I mean, that's handy. You can just plug in the TV. They stole the power off the light switch, so the lights have to be on for the TV to work. <laughs> and then, then I've got like can lights, uh, but the actual fixture is set into the ceiling boards, whatever. So you can't aim the lights. I don't know. I got some electrical work to get done. I got to figure out an electrician. Sadly, my chosen electrician passed away. So I got to find a new person to call. That was a good note. That was a really uplifting note we're sponsored by the fridge it's always uplifting stop in see kevin all his great employees they have uh they have survived the rona pretty well i think amazingly uh well compared to most local businesses but uh, still please support your local businesses like the fridge like tanner's and the Hilo are two segment sponsors. And GoPowerCat.com, locally owned and operated for many years. Many, many years. Let's get going with more of your questions from Wabash Station. Here's Ryan Gills Gilbert. First question of the second half is from Dr. KSU Rue. Uh, I don't think we've ever had you ask a question cool. here, so welcome to the podcast. Uh, we seem to have... A lot of games that major players were out due to COVID protocol. I never heard much about key players being out on other teams to the extreme we had. Were they? It sounds like Chris Kleiman wanted to play no matter what and did. How much say do the coaches have in that? How often do you think other teams opted out because they didn't want to go with who was available? Well, Trevor Lawrence sat out yeah. two games with COVID. So, I know that that's not an opponent that K-State played, but he's easily the best player in college football right now. And if he can sit out with COVID and Clemson will still go out and play, I know that Clemson is essentially a dynasty at this point. They are the new Alabama, but you know, I, I think, you know, I, I think that for the most part, everybody wanted to play, you know, if, if players were out, players were out. Um, right. You know, I, I don't. I, I don't think there's any grand conspiracy here that K-State followed the rules and other teams didn't. And Well, hold on. Let I, me say this. I, their, their, if you got COVID, players. you got COVID. Nobody's faking that. Nobody's, um, nobody's pushing the limit, at least in the Big 12. Now, COVID's COVID. And, yeah, players were out for other teams. I mean, we didn't see Iowa State 
lose Brees Hall or Brock Purdy or any of their main guys, but I don't think there's anything more than that than they took care of their business. And they, you know, again, if teams want to be successful in basketball season, the best pathway to that is stay healthy and not miss, have a bunch of players miss with COVID. I do think some contact tracing, the rules were fudged at other schools while K-State was very stringent with contact tracing uh, for the most part. Um, I just believe that. I And also, I think there was, I don't know. I don't know. I, Nick Saban's a perfect example. By the rules of the Big 12 of contact tracing, he wasn't able to coach, but he did coach after a positive test, even though it was a, a false positive eventually. I, I don't remember hearing of one false positive at K-State. And honestly, there's a lot of false positives with this test. There just, there just is. I, I think a lot of the asymptomatic people were false positives and they never had follow-up tests to find out. Hey, they never really had it. But um, I, I think K-State followed the rules to the letter. And no, there was no wiggle room in the way K-State designed it. Chris Kleiman said it repeatedly in his press conferences. He just kind of is told who's in and who's out. And that's it. And I... He didn't get into anyone else's business telling doctors how to doctor and, and all that. It was just a, a matter of uh, who's in, who's out, let's go play football. And I greatly admire for the fact him for the fact that he wanted to play. He could have gotten out of a couple games. K-State could be playing Iowa State this weekend, but they're not. They played the game. They, they got all their games in as scheduled post-COVID changes schedule, but – it's still incredible, and, and uh, I want people to kind of stop and focus on that as much as the four and six. <laughs> focus on the ten. They got them all in. I think that's a really important number. Next question from Wildcat Pilot 88 Assuming K-State gets selected for a bowl game, what school would you pick as the opponent? Uh, Fort Hayes State. <laughs> In they have the a revenge team. game of the century. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't care, but I hope it's a major conference, and I hope it's a team that K State can drill. Period. That's really, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know who's out there. I don't think K State's getting in because if I'm understanding correctly, the. Uh, First Responders Bowl, even though it's still listed by some outlets as a Big 12 Bowl, I don't think it's a Big 12 Bowl anymore. No, it is. I, I confirm that with it is with, with Lackey, yes. The First Responders Bowl is a Big 12 Bowl this year. The Armed Forces Bowl is not a Big 12 Bowl this year. Well, I think they confirmed that before the they confirmed that before the Texas game that week before the Texas game. But I swear I saw a report that in th- th- this year it's not. I'm with you, but. I, I have been told that the first responders bowl will feature the big 12 this year in case and it is the seventh, it's the seventh spot. And the way that the conference looks going down the grid, you know, K state is in seventh. So the only way that K state doesn't make a bowl game is if one, uh, one or two of the games above get canceled or more, you know, mm-hmm. if games get canceled, that's the only way K state's on the outside looking in. So it, it comes down to the bowl in Phoenix, which isn't the cheese at bowl anymore. 
And is that the, the first gar- guaranteed rate bowl now? Yeah, guaranteed rate bowl. So what? What when when the media goes? We used to get uh, <laughs> we used to get like product. We got Buffalo Wild Wings for a while, then you know we kind of fell back into the Tostito stuff because the Fiesta Bowl is associated with it. Um, so do we get like a good loan rate? Does it, can nice. the media refinance while we're at the game? <laughs> Will that be? I don't understand. I, how this I'm works. I'm interested in what that bull gift would be, but probably yeah, a pen. I mean, I mean <laughs> a pen to back, sign the new mortgage with. <laughs> back to the question <laughs> at hand, though. Uh, if if Iowa State and OU somehow magically both make the New Year's six, that would move K State up one slot into the guaranteed rate pool. And then if if Iowa State or OU, if just one of them makes the New Year's six, then um, then K-State would be in the first responders pool. Well, that's so, very interesting uh, because yeah. uh, one of the projections I saw recently, I, I immediately go to that first responders pool, and it did not have a Big 12 team in it. Yeah, I think that the, the call was recent on the announcement of for whatever reason. I, I don't know why, if it was just pandemic-related or what, but I could have sworn that it was the Armed Forces Bowl this year because those two – uh, Dallas Metro Bulls, they alternate between the Big 12 or they have recently. Um, I thought it was going to be, you know, the TCU Bowl. It's going to be the SMU Bowl instead. So, And if I recall, that Bowl's on the 26th. So, Zach, you'll be both, traveling. Bo- both Bulls are the 26th. Have so fun, Zach. Merry yeah, Christmas. I, I would love to be in Phoenix for Christmas. I will take my golf clubs and extend my stay, Fitz. Mm, that's a good idea. You can dial up Spencer Keatsman and play some rounds. Yeah, of course. Hmm. But I think you'll probably go to Dallas. Yeah, but uh, from an opponent standpoint, I believe that it's the American that that would be in that bowl. So, so in other words, a pretty good team that could beat you. SMU's already accepted a a bid, but you're looking at, you know, probably not Cincinnati because they're ranked eighth currently, but you got Tulsa that's ranked 24th. Then UCF, Houston, Memphis, Navy's three and six. I don't know how many. I don't know how. I don't know how far down the the, the first responders bowl is in the American. But those are your options. I'm curious. I guess in that game, uh, Tulane is six and five. Oh, that'd be a good one, uh, Willie Fritz. Uh, I is it at SMU Stadium now? Did they move it from? Yes, TCU they've moved. No, no. They've moved it from the Cotton Bowl to SMU Stadium. Which the Armed that? Forces Bowl played at TCU. Well, this is too confusing. I've, I've got you. We're okay. I'm, I've got you. I can't get I've got track. You. I've got you. The Cotton Bowl is played at AT&T too, Stadium, too much by the way. Too much there's, yeah. there's and why is it called the Cotton yeah. Bowl now? That I know. It's crazy. Shouldn't it be called the AT&T Bowl? No, it's the Cotton Bowl, but it's presented by Goodyear Tires. At, at an AT&T Stadium. Yes. Mm. Yes. On uh, Doritos Field. And in Arlington, Texas, sponsored yes. by Verizon. But the Bulls are traditional, and we have to keep them. That, All righty. That are we done with Bulls? Uh, yeah, well, let's move on. Oh, what was the sponsor? Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh that statement was sponsored by Absolute Vodka. Absolute, <laughs> when you absolutely want to get hammered. 
available at the fridge wholesale liquor. Next question is from Girth Brooks. During Snyder 1.0, what was the biggest recruiting miss in terms of a player who was close to signing with Kansas State, but at the last second switched to another school? Oh, I, Fitz, I, you'll have to you'll have to go with this one. I mean, there's no doubt it was Ladainian Thomason who who fell asleep while Coach Snyder was talking to him, and Coach got pissed off and didn't. He was gonna, I think he was going to come, and then he ended up at TCU and one of the greatest running backs ever. Yeah. Uh, it's got to be that. I mean, the other side of it is a guy like Chris Bogus, who was a five-star offensive lineman and ended up being entirely bogus and really couldn't do anything on the field, but he did steal Coach Snyder's autographed baseball. I can't remember who was on the autograph. While he was attending a party at Coach Snyder's house thrown by someone other than Coach Snyder. It's all very confusing. Anyhow, uh, yeah, it has to be LT, I think. Oh, no, that's Lawrence Taylor. Uh, LaDainian Thomason is also LT, but that, that'd be my answer. Is, uh, Vince Young, does he fall into that at all, or was Vince Young ever close to K-State? I know we. I know that story gets told. Well, we're not really fully sure to this day, but we are certain that to this day, that some of the coaches believed he was strongly considering signing with Kansas State because of the offense. And if you look at what Texas ran, they ran K State's offense for him. And I think that's what clinched it for him to go to Texas was we're going to let you do all the things you do at K State, and they won a national title and then stopped running that offense makes sense sure of course all right last question of the second half before we get into a special third period you don't have a half do you third period here of the podcast i like it what are you looking forward to for the rest of the academic year for k-state sports the end of football season and the start of basketball has me down and i would really like something to be excited about besides the chiefs Oh, oh, winning a game, maybe. Ah, uh, uh, yeah, win a game in the Big Twelve. I'm kind of optimistic about baseball. We'll see. We might kick in some baseball coverage this year. I think they might be nearing that level of competitiveness. Competitiveness. Wow, that was tough. Uh, we'll see. We'll see if you're interested. We're not going to just do it to do it. We're people want it we'll do it but uh i'm looking forward to people getting the vaccine and maybe starting to creep back towards normal and maybe have spring football you know chris Kleiman's exactly right they might look at not having spring football again um depending on the vaccine and how it helps out I'd push it back as far as I can if I was him. I'd push it way back. Back to I'd petition the NCAA to let me do it after the semester. So I don't know if that's possible, but I, I would push it back as far as possible to try to get on the other side of this. I mean, I'm worried that, you know, we're going to hit after Christmas. You know, if COVID keeps spiking, and, and what strikes me is, 
you know, early on all these cancellations, you know, the NBA season and then everybody else, you know, cascaded after that was, you know, one positive test of a player. And I'm not saying that they overreacted then because, you know, the virus is completely unknown, but surely at some point you're like, Hey, maybe we should pause here for a little bit. I understand that there's testing and, and, you know, the athletes have, you know, have it much better than, you know, 99% of the world when it comes to healthcare and whatever. And I'm not concerned about any athletes dying or, you know, even getting this, but just based on the spread of this disease throughout the country and throughout the world, you know, especially when you had all these lockdowns early on and, and, you know, now, now we're, we're at where we're at, you know, it just, it strikes me that nobody has said, Hey, let's, let's stop again. And, you know, maybe it will just continue and continue uh, until, you know, enough people get the disease that it just kind of peters out. It's just no big deal. But but it just I, I'm worried that I, would, I guess maybe not worried, but I, I just get this feeling that at some point one of these conferences is just going to have to say, hey, let's let's take a pause here. Let, like. Let's calm down. Let's let's let this thing calm down for a little bit and try getting back to normal here. Hopefully, instead of just trying to like barge our way through because there's just there's so many cancellations at this point. It's almost like, you know, I'd say each game probably is a fifty fifty on whether or not it gets played at this point. I heard you know, a, I heard an ESPN announcer preaching about why they need to shut down basketball. A, a analyst during a game. I'm not going to mention who it is. You can probably guess who it is. He likes to pontificate and knows it all. Um, Because if we had a lightning storm and the players wanted to go play in it, we wouldn't let them. Well, no, we wouldn't. That's just a horrendous comparison. There there are known, known serious cases of this virus impacting a student athlete that, you know, maybe there is, but they had an underlying condition. Those guys probably should opt out. So I let them play. Basketball is going to be a train wreck. And we're now seeing conferences leaning towards bubbles, which at one point we can't do bubbles. These are college athletes. These are students. Well, if your campuses are closed and everyone's doing it remotely learning, what's it matter if they're in Manhattan, Kansas, Lawrence, Kansas, Morgantown, West Virginia, or a hotel room in downtown Kansas City. What's it matter if they're attending class via Zoom? Exactly. It doesn't. That is one of the most asinine arguments. Well, they have to be on campus. Well, there is no campus life right now for most universities. It's not what it was. Gills, even when you were going to in-person classes, what was campus like at Kansas State? Dead. Dead. That's the way it is at all campuses. I would venture to guess most student athletes aren't going to class anyhow to try to limit their exposure so they don't get it so they can keep playing. Big 12, get on the bubbles. Go. Even if you don't have time to do the first round of bubbles, like the first six games, get it up and arranged where you can put the kids in a bubble. Kansas City, Oklahoma City, Dallas, Frisco, I don't care. Hotels have space, for God's sakes. 
You done rustling around there, Zach? Sorry, could you hear it? Oh, yeah. Zach, my bad. Um, just go. Set up bubbles. Set up learning areas. Do it right. Or just say, screw it, we can't do it, and shut it down. But, I mean, he's complaining about, well, these players are traveling all over the country. Every major conference is traveling charter. Come on, what are you talking about? They're not walking through the airport. They're not sitting next to people on planes. They're on a charter. That's just an asinine argument. Now, I'll understand that for all the smaller conferences. I mean, how is it possible not to play non-conference games in football for the safety of everyone involved, but you do it in basketball? That just seems silly to me. Yeah. It should have been conference only or restricted to conferences who match your standards of testing. Not for the week, for the season. If the MAC doesn't want to do it or the, um, uh, you know, whatever conference doesn't want to match those standards, don't let them come to your arena. I don't know. It's the whole either do it or don't do it. We're going to lose games. Um, just persist. Persist and try to get games rescheduled as best you can. It fits on your point on these these players not going to campus now and not going to game or not going to you know not going to classes. They wouldn't do that in a normal year. And I'm not saying they don't go to class. I'm saying they do it online anyway. Most yeah. of these guys, especially basketball, they travel so much that it's easier for them to be good students when they're doing it online. If anything. The, the, you know, the students, the general student population, the non-athletes on campus, they have it more like athletes at this point, I would say, having to do classes online because I, most of these, these kids, they're not going to class because they do it online. You know, it's just, it's easier for them. So, so, so other than, other than this disease, and no fans, how much has changed for the student-athlete, especially for basketball? Because in reality, it really isn't that much. And like I've, I said a while ago, why not just put them in a bubble? They do all their classes online. Go find a hotel. You know, you don't even have to play it in a big metro area. Just find, find a place with a gym and enough hotel space that's away from, you know, any chance of them trying to – you know, do anything risky where they catch this disease and put them in the bubble, you know, get a, get, you know, six teams of referees, you know, find a couple arenas, just play games every day. You know, it's not, it it would be amazing. It it would be just like the NCAA tournament and you can condense it down. You would, you could play games every two or three days. You wouldn't have to, you wouldn't have to take into account, you know, travel days, you know, rest, you know, whatever. You could just go boom, 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 get these games over with, get your conference tournament done, and then just go back home, practice until you're getting to the NCAA tournament. Or start the bubble to where it'll match up with the ideal start of the NCAA tournament. Uh, back to There's your, a solution here. Just figure it out. Right. Back to your point about normal seasons with student-athletes. Back many years ago when I taught a sports journalism class, I had Kinder Wecker in my class, basketball. It was a spring class. 
And B.J. Kissel went on to be better known as Chiefs reporter and now works for Let It Fly Media in Kansas City. But both of them were student-athletes in this class. So when Kendra was in basketball season, I didn't see her much. And as soon as baseball started up in February, B.J. wasn't in my class. I mean, he just he wasn't. I mean, we're talking about a baseball player, so they're on the road all the time when it's cold, and then they travel quite a bit. He's probably in my class less than 25% of the time. If the bubonic plague had hit my class, B.J. Kissel probably would have been fine. So uh, they're just not in class in season as much. And now it's so easy for professors to accommodate them because they can actually attend class via remote attendance. They can be in Lubbock where they're going to play the next day and hop into the Zoom class. I wouldn't, but, you know, hey, that's just me. I'm a bad student. That will do it for the second half of the PowerCat podcast, but we're not done. I'm not going to call it the overtime because it's not really an overtime question. We have a very uh, intriguing question, and since it's a little slow, we're going to stop and read a very, very long question from our buddy K-Ned that is on a really good topic that is and isn't sports, but it's certainly Kansas State. We'll get to that in the bonus segment. The third period, as Gills likes to say, of the PowerCat Podcast. The PowerCat Podcast will be right back. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. We now send it back to the PowerCat Podcast. Welcome back to the PowerCat Podcast. Your questions podcast just grew by one segment. No, it's not the overtime. We're not going to make a bunch of jokes and put in fart noises. I think we could all use some fart noises right now. But uh, no, we have a very long, involved question that is K-State related from KNED. It's really good. We don't usually like long questions, but... We got some time here. We haven't been doing as many podcasts, so let's dig into that. We're sponsored by The Fridge. Thank you to the High, Low, and Tanners for their continued support. Gills, take it away. This is going to be a long one. I think we should set an over-under on how many times I mess up. Uh, You're going to nail it. I got a good feeling here. <laughs> All right. It's from, from K-Ned. K-Ned. We, yes. let you, we let you ask a long one this time because <laughs> it's pretty good. Here we go. <laughs> From KNED, while I have respect for General Myers for stepping out of retirement and into a mess caused as much by state political, quote-unquote, experiments as anything, and that he is doing the regents a solid by staying on while they continually fail at hiring a Wichita state president, the fact still remains that all we fall enrollment gains are close to being wiped out, and total enrollment will again be less than 20,000 next year, and that is with a more robust Salina campus, new Olathe campus, and online classes. How badly does K-State need a permanent leader with a vision? Based on Schultz, Gary Little, Gerard, who thinks 
less miles is a fine plan, and the Wichita State president turned style. How much faith do you have in the regions to get it right? Should these schools have their own curators to hire people? A Manhattan Mercury study showed the enrollment losses are more from Western Kansas that has turned into Fort Hayes State's plan. Uh, pardon me, gain. How there's one mess up right there. How do we turn that around? Yeah, Should they go back to wow. recruiting the best in-state students again? All of we followed. Lots of parents say the local schools have no interest in the top in-state students. They only want out-of-state tuition. That is a growing narrative. Go to any graduation ceremony, and the amount of kids going to out—pardon me—going to out-of-state public schools compared to a generation ago is alarming. They are all getting scholarships that make it nearly the same price as K-State, at least in the ballpark, to make it worth it. K-State cut their top in-state scholarship in half a couple of years ago. On that last point, I'm with you there. I Take it from me. I, I grew up in Manhattan. I went to Manhattan High. I graduated. And part of this is a little bit of, you know, you went, you, you know, you grow up going to K-State games and you're just around it. And after high school, you kind of want to get out for a little bit. So for one year, I went to Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State, yeah, I was given a scholarship that essentially wiped out the out-of-state tuition that I would have had to pay because I had a high enough ACT score. And I think the limit was like, or the minimum was 25. That is not a high uh, ACT. Sorry, I said SAT. I meant ACT. A high ACT score by any means. So, so yeah, K-State needs to make it competitive. You know, if I can go anywhere, you know, for the, for the same price as what I could go to K-State, why shouldn't K, you know, K-State should give out, you know, they need, there needs to be an incentive there for, for in-state students. I agree with that, but, you know, just giving my example there real quick, I'll let Fitz take kind of the rest of this, you know, for now, but but yeah, you make a good point there. There needs to be an incentive for in-state kids to stay in-state because when I can go to Oklahoma State or Arkansas or whatever, all I have to do is get a 25 on my ACT to, yeah. to get essentially equal tuition. I mean, it, it's a no-brainer. It opens up you know, tons of possibilities when money isn't a question. If money is equal, yeah go pay in-state tuition somewhere else, especially for people that live in Manhattan like me that, you know, they want to get out. I mean, yes, I came back and it's a whole nother story, but you know, it's, yeah, you gotta, you have to, you have to treat your in-state students, you know, with as much priority as possible. Another thing, I didn't get any scholarship money at K-State. I literally did not qualify for a single scholarship. I was one of like the 3%, you know, I think 97% of people qualify for some sort of scholarship at K-State. I didn't qualify for anything. So there was nothing for me, you know, and I promise you, I looked and, and I'm not blaming it on any of my situations. Like it's fine. I, it's, I don't need, I didn't need the scholarship money. You know, I can pay my loans. It's fine. But, and a lot of that is circumstantial with, you know, the degree I chose and, you know, what my major was, you know, I, I can, I'm not complaining. I'm totally, I can live with it. I'm just saying, you know, the scholarship money is not as accessible, I think, as what, what K-State tries to say it is. 
Well, look, uh, let's handle the whole breadth of this question. Uh, General Myers is a man I tremendously respect. He's not a great university president. And Ned's right. He's a placeholder. He was meant to be here for a year or two. Um, and now that's other circumstances have forced the Board of Regents to ask him to stay. The Board of Regents sucks at hiring presidents. And they don't like doing it, which seems odd because that is really one of their most important jobs they have is hiring university presidents. I don't get why they're bad at it. Maybe they should, I mean, really, ADs don't hire coaches. Consultants pick the coach and say, this is probably who you should hire. I don't know if they're doing that, but get a new one if you are, because they're not delivering. There's a lot of problems at Kansas State, but really there's a lot of problems with higher education. I mean, it's, it's just gone into a totally different direction. And now that states aren't really financing it, they have to be operated as businesses. So all those things that you listed are symptoms of having to <clears throat> operate like a business. Oh, we're going to give you a discount to come join Go Powercat. 50% off right now. You're out of state. Come on, let's go. So it's all operating like a business. And everyone in our society wants a sale. Four-day states hurt Kansas State. And we're not talking basketball. <laughs> they have done an incredible job out there with creating value in going to Fort Hayes State. It's probably who K-State should have as their next president as the Fort Hayes State president. But I think it's important for Kansas State to own what it is. This is a premier ag and engineering school. I'm in a passing comment earlier in this podcast. I mentioned go get a degree in grain or grain sciences, milling sciences. It's it's a guaranteed job. I mean, minimum sixty five out of out of graduation from what I'm told, and that's the bottom end. Play that up. I've. I've I've joked about it, but I really think K-State should have a brewing and distilling sciences degree. It's an ag degree. Make sure you're offering real-world degrees. Make sure you're putting emphasis in those things. Communicate to kids and families that a degree from Kansas State will have substance in the workplace. Because that's really what families in Kansas want. They don't want to send their kids off to some place that they're going to get a degree that doesn't translate to anything. Skills. Um, <laughs> I, you know, I, I don't have all the answers. I just know this right now, what they're doing, isn't the answer. Uh, again, we tend to think, oh, look at all these transfers. Look at all these kids not going to K-State. That surely is just a K-State problem. Folks, it's not. These are systemic problems across athletics and higher education. Higher education became a business uh, and not run by business people. See what I'm saying here? I mean, it would be like, hey, Fitz, 
uh, you're a sports guy and you've run a great sports website, but now you're going to be a business website. What the hell do I know about that? And that's kind of what we've done in academic, academic circles. We've decided that these guys that were great teachers and professors and can manage a, a college of arts and sciences or business, they're going to be a university president, which makes them in charge of a very large budget and business. Doesn't work out very well very often. So I, I don't know. I know some people push back when others say hire people from the business world because that hasn't worked because they don't under, understand the the weird academic culture that exists. And it's weird. It's a whole minefield. I, I don't blame President Myers for the dwindling enrollment. I really don't. I don't think he's doing anything wrong. I think it's just the times in which we live. And he's faced with someone that's doing maybe a better job overall at Fort Hay State. Uh, I mean, I love this institution, but <clears throat> we worry about who the next basketball coach will be, um, who the next athletic director will be, eventually the next football coach of Chris Kleiman. We never really stop to think who's out there to be a university president. Who, who can really not be next in line, but turn this into something special again like John Weefald did? Don't you dare remember John Weefald for the ending and forget the beginning. Because when I was in school, we would have loved 20,000 students. We were on the verge of leaving the Big Eight becoming a Missouri Valley school with about 15,000 students. And Doc Weefold changed that. He approached it from a business standpoint in many ways, and he went and hired good people and said, go, go get them. Go get, go get the students. Pat Bosco, Bob Krause, you can go down the list. It's probably time for some new blood at Kansas State. It's probably time to let Richard Myers retire when he wants to. And I'm, I'm under the understanding that the, the Board of Regents keeps prodding him forward. We can't make a hire right now. It's a pandemic. Keep going. Keep going. Man, I tell you what. If a guy wants to retire and they keep making him go, what kind of results do you really honestly expect from that person? Think about it. Yeah. Well, I know this. i got enough crap to worry about with basketball and football. So someone else figure this one out. Go hire well. Go hire someone that is forward-thinking. Uh, won't get caught up in politics and, and other stuff. That wants to educate young people in a way that will translate to careers. Or, you know, push academic and research things in the right causes, in the right areas. That's all I got. That's it. To, to add on your point there on the uh, kind of the dwindling enrollment, I think a lot of Gen Z at this point, they don't want to enter college or exit college with a ton of debt. They see that at, at this point, you know, with whatever the job market is and what the entry level job is and, and what the, the actual, you know, what your debt is going to be after college. I think that, you know, it was, pro it was true when I was a student and it's probably even more true now 
more kids are not seeing the value in a college education because there isn't a value in a college education or what it once was. It doesn't guarantee you anything. You know, you, you get a, it's a piece of paper for a job interview is all it is. You know, you may not even need, you know, your, your degree may not even need to match what the job description is just because, you know, it's a piece of paper that says you went and had four years of school. Very least you're teachable, you know, you're able to learn. I know that going forward, the world's going to need engineers and people that know how to promote ag, make ag more efficient. We're going to keep eating and building. We will. Yeah. You're right there, but there's other areas where, I mean, take business or, you know, anything digital, for example, schools do not move quick enough in the real compared to the real world. You can learn all the best stuff, you know, that someone put in a textbook 10 years ago, but that textbook was out of date nine years ago. You know, I can, you know, I I got a marketing degree. I went through the business college. The, the, I, I truly did not learn anything enough or substantial compared to like what the real world is until probably my final semester where I actually had a class where we learned, you know, digital analytics and stuff that actually matter. You know, I, I'm convinced that any 18 year old right now that wants to learn, especially from a business standpoint or anything, you know, just being on social media, you can, you can understand business enough to where you can make money and make a living just doing, you know, having an idea, doing it on your own. I mean, there's, there's no, there's no reason that you should have to go to university to go get a piece of paper because it's just, it's just not the value of what it costs to what you're getting. You almost might as well just spend four years out in the real world trying to figure it out. And, you know, if you, because even if you're trying to make a business work at 18 and let's say, you know, a college degree is going to cost you $40,000, you know, after you pay all your student loans and interest and whatever that is, you can probably spend $40,000 or less to set you up for the rest of your life at 18. It's, it's all, that's all really good stuff. Um, go ahead. It, it, it takes a certain type of person to be able to do that. And I, I'm not saying that's for everybody, but I think that we don't give credit to younger generations enough to what they bring to the table and what they bring to society. And at this point, I think they've, they've become smart. You know, when they hear, you know, their parents, you know, a lot of these, these kids going to college now, their parents are Gen X. They aren't baby boomers anymore. You know, it, it's, the college degree. And once millennials start having kids that are in college, you know, millennials feel at the most, at least right now, feel at the most with the amount of student debt, student loan debt there is, you know, I don't think there's many millennials that are going to say, yeah, you need to go to college. You know, I think it's just, it's going to change. And until colleges can get up to speed and, and make the college experience a valuable one, and a valuable one to what your dollar gets you, college is going to fail. So, you know, yeah, the, the, the enrollment's dwindling, but I certainly don't blame K-State. I don't blame President Myers. It's just it, the college degree and the college experience is not what it was. You know, we, even five or ten years ago. 
we are so trained from, you know, take uh, <clears throat> myself. I, I'm kind of on the end of the cheap education that the state was subsidizing so much for in-state kids that it it cost parents money, but it, it, we're not talking anywhere near six figures to get a college degree. I mean, it's, it was out. It's outrageous now. But we still have that mindset that you need to go to college, you need to accomplish this, you need to have the college experiences, you need that college degree. And I tend to agree with a lot of that. But in the real world, then, when you're on campus, Gills, I'm sure you know people like this. What the hell are you doing in college, you know? I mean, why, why are you here? You just seem to be here to get a piece of paper and party. And then when you get in the real world, you may not actually ever do things that mean you have a degree, that needs you to have a degree. I think a lot of the next generation is really wising up that if they can learn to be nimble in the workforce, what, what cannot be replicated by a robot? Probably an engineer. I mean, probably electrician, HVAC, make a, you know, make a good living. Without saddling yourself with college debt, I think a lot more kids are coming to that realization, and uh, I think that too can be a focus of, uh, you know, if they now have a K State Salina as an aviation campus, why not have K State wherever as more of a technical degree? Yeah, yeah, yeah we're going to teach you math, English. You're going to get your your base in there, but then you're also going to go do whatever. Whatever the degree would be. I also think that this. No, sorry. Go ahead. I also think this generation of kids, you know, coming out of high school, wanting to go into college, I think Generation Z is probably more likely to be happy doing what they want to do versus, you know, sitting in a cubicle for 40 years, making $100,000 a year, being, you know, mostly miserable, you know, working 40 plus hour work weeks or, you know, just, you know, accepting, you know, hey, I'm not going to take this high level job, but I'm going to be happy, you know, and if it needs a degree or not, you know, so be it. I think that that younger generations are going to be much more willing or I don't, I don't want to call it laziness, but I think that that there's a lot of jobs that probably Gen X and probably some, you know, older millennials w wouldn't want to do that they don't make enough money and not enough security, I guess, for, for what they want. And I think that a lot of younger people are going to say, you know what, I don't really care what you think of what my job is. I'm able to, you know, live my life the way I want to. And sure, I might not make a bunch of money. And, but at least I'm not miserable going to work and I like what I'm doing. So I, I think that, I think that's another piece of this college equation. As we wrap this up, uh, I'll just put it this way. I understand the journalism marketplace now. It's radically different than when I came out of school. There were newspaper jobs. I mean, I didn't want to settle on a newspaper job coming out of school, and I kind of waited, and I don't know if that was right, but that's, there were available jobs. I could get a job, ended up in St. Joe, Missouri, and then Salina, and then uh, I decided to get into this. Here's my thing. Kansas State offers a journalism degree, traditional, 
You can work in newspaper, radio, TV, advertising, PR, all of those things. That doesn't fit the workplace anymore, guys. There are so few straight newspaper jobs. There are so few just dedicated TV jobs. Because to be on TV now means you write for their website. And you probably might might even host a podcast. K-State started to go into a convergence mode a while back and seemed to back off that. And they were going in the right direction. Kansas State needs to move. And... This may not be good for the the College of Arts and Sciences. It may not be good for uh, the School of Journalism. But I, I think as a School of Journalism, Kansas State should offer a convergence degree. Within that, you can say, I want to take more TV or print or radio or, or whatever. And I would move advertising and PR in some ways uh, over into business. I just would. Now, maybe they have some classes they come back into journalism to take, but those are more business functions. I don't think if you work for Hallmark Cards in the PR department, you think of yourself as a journalist. You you work in the business world. Or if you're at an uh, ad company, an agency, I don't think you think of yourself as a journalist. You're in business. So just narrow the focus of the school down into one kick-ass, digitally-driven degree. You are now ready to adventure into the world of digital journalism. And you're going to learn to write, to speak, and to be on TV. You're going to learn all of these things and do what Gills has done on his own uh, and his buddy Cole, too. Why, Gills, why did you start a podcast? Honestly, I just wanted to get better, um, you know, with my talking skills and stuff like right. that and to gain connections in it, you know, of course, got me a job with you. So yeah. really, it's, it's just, yeah, it's like, why not go do something on your own? You got to make, you got to separate yourself from everyone, you know, graduating at the same time as you here at K-State. So exactly. Yeah. You go, you go do things to get experience and, I, but you may not work. You may never have a podcast after this. I don't know what you're going to, if you're going to end up calling games, you're going to end up uh, writing because you're actually a pretty good writer. I think you surprised yourself a little bit. Um, Thank you. Thank you. And, or maybe you be on television. I mean, if they let me on television, they'll let anyone on. (laughs) I I look like a human thumb and I'm on television. So, um, you know, I just, I think K-State should really, assess some of these degrees are offering and are we just offering the curriculum that we had in the 1970s 80s 90s because that's what we've done and that's how it's done or are we offering this new generation and this incredibly altered workforce which might remain even more altered after the pandemic because i think we've proven that offices aren't necessary as much as we can still connect like we're doing right now. If you don't know, folks, we're, we're not talking on the phone. We're on Zoom. We're all talking to each other. It's not the same as in person. I get that. But the world is changing around us, and shouldn't the degrees morph with them? Colleges aren't nimble at all. They're not. And I would really like to see a journalism degree at Kansas State mean something specific, different, 
and helps it compete within the region against a, a journalism school at Missouri that is notable for cranking out incredible TV talent. A journalism school at Kansas, which is noted for turning out really good writers. I mean, my, our colleague Scott Chasen, who runs the KU site on the 24-7 network, an incredible young writer. He's not going to be there forever because he's going to end up on a national stage. I believe that. Plus, he has the value of that Kansas degree. There's not as much value to a K-State journalism degree. There just isn't. Create that. You can go to Oklahoma State now and get into sports journalism. They have a curriculum for sports journalism. Danny Welniak at Kansas City is probably one of the better-known people. Our friend Chase Shannon that came through Wichita and ended up in San Antonio, another product of that school. What's K-State got? A mediocre degree that doesn't really prepare you fully for the workplace? Go sell that. And I'm just speaking now about journalism as, a, as something within the university that I know. Make a degree that is digital, multimedia, and valuable in the marketplace, and kids will come. And there has to be answers like that or ideas like that in ag, in business, in engineering, in whatever field that really fits what the market needs. That will do it for an extended PowerCat podcast. We appreciate everyone asking questions. K-Ned, that was really good stuff. Um, I don't know how many people listened to it, but we had fun recording it. We'll be back next week with more questions podcasts. The Insiders will have a new look come Monday as we're going to roll something out to address basketball season. Changes in the lineup. Maybe the Sources podcast will come back. We don't have access to a coach next week because of signing day. We do have some plans for signing day. Stay tuned for that. And maybe after the start of the year, when things are a little bit slower and we need some other content, Life of Fitz will return, expanding outside the realm of people I've known and covered through my years. We'll talk to you next week on the PowerCat podcast. We appreciate you continuing to listen. We appreciate you continuing to support GoPowerCat.com. PowerCat Podcast. All rights reserved. GoPowerCat.com and Spirit Street Publishing. From the world of Sonic the Hedgehog, a new hero arrives. I am ready. Is there anyone stronger? No. Tougher? No. Funnier? I do not make jokes. I make warriors. Knuckles. Now streaming only on Paramount+. Plus. Yes!